Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, the co-founder of Familiars Publishing, husband, father of nine, author, fly fisherman, backpacker, and aspirational musician based in the Central Valley of California. We hope to bring you nourishing, real-life information about love, family, relationships, and life. Now, we wanted to welcome today's guest, Devin Meeves. Is that right? Nevis. <laughs> you think Devin I got that right? Devin right. Mevis. <laughs> yes. yes, there you go. Devin Mevis. Now, Devin is a curriculum consultant and educational content creator with a master's in education and teaching and curriculum and a BS in art education. Throughout her career, Devin has focused on two things, education and creativity. She taught K-6 through art in public school before transitioning to museum education and then to consulting content creation for brands and organizations. Devin is the founder of You Ready Teddy, a website devoted to helping families incorporate more creativity and learning through process art and open-ended play. You can follow her on Instagram at You Ready Teddy. And she lives outside of Philadelphia with her husband, three kids, and two dogs. Now, today we're discussing how families can include more creativity and learning in their lives. The information shared aligns with the familiar's habits, learn together, and play together. You can learn more about the familiar's 10 habits of happy families by going to the Habit Hub blog on familiar's.com. Well, we're thrilled that you could join us, Devin. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Well, let's start with something fun. Now, I was reading, this is not in your bio, but I read that you were on a competition juggling team. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, uh, that was in elementary, maybe early middle school, but we had a traveling juggling team. And I can still juggle. I'm not very good at it, but we did have to ride a unicycle (laughs) and juggle at the same same time time at one point. My fun fact. Very good. And and any anything more than three balls or three uh, bowling pins? Three. No, uh, I don't think I even graduated to bowling pins. I think it, I did apples, uh, balls, scarves. Well, that's good. Well, we had one of our things in our families. We try to teach different things each week. And one night, the kids wanted to learn juggling. I know how to juggle it, so <laughs> I got everybody juggling. And within a week, the whole house was juggling and oranges, apples, potatoes. It didn't matter what it was. That's fun. That's a lot of fun. Well, good. Now, help us understand. You talk about process art. For our listeners, what is process art? Uh, Process art is sort of the the opposite of what we're used to thinking when we think of art in schools. You think like traditional art, you're looking at an example and the kids are following step by step instructions to make a copy of that example. And process art, is the opposite. We take process more importantly than what it ends up looking. So the final product isn't as important as the discoveries the kids are making, the experimentation with the materials. It's very open-ended. And because of that, it promotes more creativity than the traditional product art. Okay. Well, we probably will need some examples of this. I think we're all familiar in art class, you know, you, they want you to draw a particular thing or they want to use this medium and paint that or create this craft. So help us understand what some examples. 
Some examples would be experimenting with different tools. So you're given paints, eyedroppers, and paper, and you can sort of freely create with the colors, experiment how they mix together, uh, really get to know the medium and, and how it how it behaves. Um, so there's not really an emphasis on what it looks like in the end. They're just playing and experimenting. No, I think I understand. I think that what you're saying is that it allows someone to be innovative, to experiment, to be creative with with what you put in front of them. And they might use it in a way that is unanticipated or even unintended. That might be, that's what creativity is, right? Everybody brings something different to the table. Absolutely. Okay. That's, that is interesting. Now, then, so let's just talk about what you've learned about how that is has benefited uh, students that you've worked with or families that you've consulted with. How, rather than just saying paint this, how has now just given them tools and, and seen what they do, how has that impacted this, these people? It really promotes confidence and, and self-esteem related to art. I think a lot of us grew up either feeling like we were good at art or we were bad at art. And if we were good at art, we probably liked the class. If we thought we were bad at art, we probably felt a little frustrated or stressed out in art class. And when we take away that expectation of what the final product looks like and allow these kids to just experiment freely, there's no right or wrong answers. These kids don't feel like, oh, I'm doing something wrong. I'm not an artist. They're seeing these discoveries and they're feeling really proud of themselves and it's just a low pressure situation uh, mm. that lets them take risks in like a, a safe space that makes a lot of sense you know we have so many books that we've explored about creativity um there's one by mary potter kenyon where she's written mm -hmm. called to create and she says that little children know how to be creative it's just they create the, everything about them. They're wanting to play, experiment, build. And they said that we start to lose this as we get older. And she works with many people who are in their 50s and 60s, and, and they have forgotten how to be creative. They've forgotten how to be an artist. And she says, no, everyone's an artist. And she helps them rediscover that. What would your recommendation be to people who are adults? Maybe we don't have children. What could we do to learn what you're trying to teach people to do? Honestly, uh, process art is great for adults too. It's just a way to kind of like take all the the pressures off of it and just have fun. And I think a lot of people I actually listened to your that podcast episode with uh, Mary Potter Kenyon, and I think she said something about uh, some adults have PTSD of just the feeling like I'm not a creative person. And when you're taking away the expectations, these adults can also benefit from experimenting with materials and making discoveries alongside with their kids, which is kind of a fun, kind of a fun bonding experience because you're learning something together. You're not, you don't have to know all of the answers because if you're, you don't know anything about art and your kids saying, well, why is, why is this happening? Or what color, how do I make this color? You're, you can just say, well, let's figure it out together. Let's try something. What do you think? And I mean, learning together is one of the best, the best ways to really bond with our, our kids. Yeah. And beginning. I love this quote by Goethe. He, he said, whatever you believe you can do, begin it. 
boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. So Ooh, too, like often, too often we're, we're hesitant to because we're afraid of making a mistake, right? Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is just start. And as we start, magic happens. And Definitely. We, so that's a lot of fun. Now let's move to a different subject. Mm-hmm. So you've talked a little bit about processor. I think they have a better understanding of what that is. And we really just don't get so focused on the end result. Focus on the process of, of learning and using, being creative with what you have mm-hmm. in front of you. That's liberating in many ways. It is. <laughs> so let's talk about open-ended play. You t- What is that? Open-ended play is, is sort of something everybody, kids do naturally when they have a cardboard box, they have a stick. They see these things and they think of them as, as toys. What can I do with this? They're creative, they're playing. And somewhere along the line, adults thought, oh, I should inter- interject here and, and give them different ways to play, like tell them how to play or give them these toys that have the batteries, the remote controls that do all the imagination and, and everything for them. And open-ended play is really getting back to the basics and letting kids really use their imaginations to play in whatever way they choose to play. Okay, so let's, let's make it practical. So my, maybe I did this wrong. So my one of my children, my one of my daughters was learning to play the ukulele and she's playing this song and, and she's become pretty good at it. But there's this one section that she has got the rhythm completely wrong. And I interject and say, okay, you've got to stop. And I ne- you need to work on this one section because your rhythm is wrong. And if you can hum it, you can play it. So why don't you just work on humming it? So how would I approach that differently if I'm dealing with open-ended play and she's just trying to learn a song? Uh, there's a lot of different ways that you could use play to learn a skill like that. Maybe she could make the rhythm with something else and 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 try. I don't know. I guess it because you're trying to teach a very specific skill, maybe open-ended play isn't what you would need for that i guess open-ended play is when your goal is just creativity and and just imagination that's where i would i would move to, that's where i'd recommend open-ended play but for just music in general something like that making a drum out of a can oh. you know something like that is just a fun way to get them into music but that i'm not sure sense. yeah no, that does i think what you're explaining is that in some things like music, there are rules. There's a template right. so that need to be followed. A teacher might need to get involved and help steer the child to those rules that help provide for a better result. But then there's other times where they're just maybe they have a box, and in that box they are in outer space, and or maybe they're taking a river cruise. We don't know what they're doing. <laughs> there's like we can just let them play, just and let them use their imagination and begin. What is happening in their brain physiologically or that's helpful in their maturation with open-ended play? With open-ended play, they're making a lot of their own choices, which involves a lot of problem-solving skills, critical thinking skills, and a lot of those other 21st century skills, like really being independent, being flexible. So if they're in this box boat and a pirate's coming, they have to think, oh, what am I going to do? And that's that might not seem to an adult as problem solving, but to a kid, they're thinking of all these different ways they can continue their play and they have to be flexible. They have to think, well, 
maybe there's an alligator now. Now what do we have to do? We have to pivot. We have to change. And it might seem silly, but all these skills are really valuable, beneficial skills for kids. I love that. I love that. Just we think about play. We As families, we need to understand play is important. There's We're learning things. The children are developing problem-solving skills because they're encountering challenges that they're even creating themselves. And then how do they deal with that? That's fascinating, right? We don't even have to create challenges for them. They can create them themselves in their mm-hmm. play. Well, give us some examples of how you think families can be better at incorporating process art and open-ended play as they work with their children. Sure. I think it seems overwhelming at first to incorporate these extra things because we're already incorporating so many different things, trying to make sure our kids are the best kids they can be. And I think it's helpful to know that that you're sort of taking a step back from doing things and you're letting them think on their own. You're letting them experiment on their own. And you're just the guide providing the materials, providing the encouragement. But I think if instead of doing these step-by-step intricate crafts or play setups, you take a step back, you can give them the materials and see what they do with them, see how they create art with these materials or see how they play with these materials. It's a lot easier to incorporate these things than an adult might think. Those are good examples. In the world, most great discoveries have happened by accident, like Velcro, for example. The gentleman who discovered Velcro was walking in the forest and he was collecting burrs on his pants and was able to make the connection that how a burr connected to his pants could have a practical application for the world, right? So mm-hmm. creativity is when we, we're able to connect the dots. I think Steve Jobs talks about connecting the dots, right? So experience provides all these dots. Now we just connect them and we can now do something that's never been done before. I imagine that you would agree that allowing our children to play gives them experience where they then can eventually connect different dots to help them in their own life. Definitely. And I love that example because you mentioned being outside. He made this discovery. And one thing that parents can do is take things out of the context we're familiar in. Like if this guy was sitting in his chair and he was just trying to think, hmm, how can I come up with an invention? It probably wouldn't have happened, but because he was in a different context, a different place, he was outside, that's when discoveries are really made. So one example of an open-ended play activity that I really like to do with kids is taking their toy cars and their toy trains, things like that outside. They normally play with them inside on a track and we take them outside And by changing that context, they really have to think more creatively, how am I going to play with this? Maybe they're using the sticks they find outside, the rocks they're using outside, or sidewalk chalk, and they're making their own roads. They're really, it sort of forces them to be more creative and think of things in new ways. So I think that that's a really great source of inspiration, just shaking things up a little bit, getting outside changing the way your perspective, changing how you're looking at something. Great advice. Let's change the setting. Let's change the context. Let's try something new that will help us. It kind of forces our brains to think in a different way, as you say, with a different perspective. Well, this has been really helpful. So we've learned about process art. We've learned about open-ended play. Adults can use this as well as children. 
and we can make better use of it as, as families to just have these creative moments, which are so beneficial to a happy family. Now, you, you've let us know that, that your website is youreadyteddy, that's U-R-E-A-D-Y-T-E-D-D-Y.com. And they can also find you, our guests can also find you at youreadyteddy on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook. That's correct. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been wonderful. We've learned a lot. Thank you. Um, I do want to say I have um, a 30-day kids creativity challenge on my website right now, which would be a great place to start really trying to incorporate more creativity in your art and play. That's a great idea. 30 days. We can all do something in 30 days. (laughs) Definitely. A great 2023 goal. Let's do something in 30 days. Okay, well, as we continue today's podcast, we'd like to thank Familius for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familius. One step at a time, we can make the world a happier place.